So yesterday was my, my godson's fourth birthday, and it was, from what I saw, beautiful. I wasn't able to actually be with them, but you know, just seeing the pictures of him on his birthday and seeing that smile that I know so well. He's such a beautiful child. Um, it was so joyful. And, and I loved just, you know, as I said, I wasn't able to be there, but to actually just see the pictures from his family, um, I felt like I was there because I know the kids so well and to know his smirks and his smiles and like his double finger guns that he always gives the camera, um, it was just beautiful. And now counter that with the fact that we all had a conference call with the bishop yesterday in which he told us that public mass would no longer be held. That is absolutely the saddest day of my 289 days as a priest so far. I never imagined that I would see a day in which across the country, if not the world, public mass is not being offered. I mean, part of me, like the little conspiracy theory part of me, thought that one day eventually the government would shut us down, but not the diocese. So it breaks my heart to know that the people are not going to have access to the sacraments as they once did. What a terrible contrast to have the joy of a fourth birthday, someone who only knows joy in his life, who's never really faced hardship, and he's beautiful, he's living life to the fullest, and then the sadness of the reality that all of us who are old enough to understand are living with. What a day. It was a big day yesterday. And so... We look to the first reading to find solace. Because while we are enduring this emotional turmoil, we don't know what the future holds, we see that Azariah, in the midst of the fire, gives us an example of what to do. We turn to the Lord in prayer no matter what. I can't imagine much more of a worse situation than being thrown into a fire and thinking, you know what I'll do, rather than scream my head off, I should pray. But he does. And so we should too. Knowing that in the midst of any trial, our recourse should always be to the Lord. There should be no other thing that we do more ardently in this time than to pray and ask for deliverance from the Lord. Now, how ironic that his speech, um, he, he talks about how the people of Israel are being oppressed and they have no prince, no prophet or leader, no burnt offering, no sacrifice, oblation or incense. And this is the one that really keyed me in. No place to offer first fruits to find favor with you. I mean, if that doesn't sound like the lay faithful of the Diocese of Richmond and throughout the country, I don't know what does. We have no more places to offer first fruits. We have no place to offer sacrifice to the Lord because we're all being, you know, in our homes and quarantined, as it were. But he doesn't end there. He doesn't allow his, his sadness for what is true at the moment to rule his hope for the future. And so he continues. He says, a little later if I can find it. Where are we? A humble, contrite spirit will be received. thought it was much further down. Apparently it's the next sentence. But a humble, contrite heart must be received by the Lord, as though it were burnt offerings of rams and bullocks or thousands of fat lambs. The biggest sacrifice to the Lord that he can imagine, he realizes, is no greater than a humble, contrite heart turned to the Lord. 
And so what are we to do in this time with no mass, with no public sacraments? We are also to turn to the Lord and offer him our humble and contrite hearts, knowing that our prayers are so powerful in this moment when we feel nothing but despair for the future. And then the very last line of this reading, I think, frames everything in the life of Azariah as well as our current situation beautifully. Because it says, or the last two lines, it says, Do not let us be put to shame, but deal with us in your kindness and great mercy. Deliver us by your wonders and bring glory to your name, O Lord. I, I just can't believe that those who trust and hope in the Lord would be put to shame. That doesn't mean we won't have trials, we won't suffer, we won't endure hardship. But ultimately, Christ wins. I mean, it's inevitable. Christ wins, and Christ will bring glory out of this. And while it might be a little early to start seeing this, here's what I'm hopeful for. In the days to come, if things get harder, in the days to come with so much uncertainty, I'm excited to hear one day about the glory stories that happen. People helping other people. They'll know we're Christians by our love. Yes, it's a nice song we made up in the 70s, I think. But also, I think it's the hope for the future. They will know that we're Christians, that we're Catholics, because I'm hoping we're the ones that are helping our neighbor. We're the ones sacrificing for the greater good. We're the one helping the common good. We're being in unity with our brothers and sisters in whatever ways we can. Yes, we might be isolated. Yes, we might be secluded. But that doesn't mean we can't pray. We can't fast. We can't call them. I mean, our community, okay, maybe not you guys, but we can call them. And we can communicate in ways never before that people had to endure when they were secluded or quarantined. So I'm hoping that in the future we hear about these stories, these, let's call them miracles, that will happen because the people of God, though they are not able to go to public mass, they are still able to pray. They are still able to sacrifice a humble and contrite heart to the Lord. And I just know that the Lord will make miracles happen through that. And one final thought particular to you, uh, as I started Mass here, it hit me that uh, I, I started my priestly ministry 289 days ago, here, in this chapel. And now, just because of the randomness of schedule and God's providence, this was the day that I was supposed to be here to preach, the day, the official first day, that no Mass will be said publicly in the Diocese of Richmond. The Lord started me here with something new, and now I feel like this is another new time that he's starting. I can't think of a better place to start it. And then I also noticed the beautiful statue of St. Clair up there holding the monstrance. In times of trial, in times of great fear and persecution, what did she do? She clung to the Eucharist. My sisters and everyone listening do the exact same thing. Cling to the Lord in the Eucharist, even if that's only in a spiritual communion way. But this is the only hope we have, because the world offers us darkness, despair, and sadness, and gloom, and we have no idea what. But the Lord offers us peace, safety, and security.